Here we go. Living the life within you. I think we have one or two weeks left, and that's it. Because uh, I think we'll be done next week if I'm not too distracted. <laughs> Look, a squirrel. Okay. Um, living the life within you. Actions that will enhance healthy thinking patterns. And uh, this has been a longer series than I wanted it to be, but it's an important one. And so before we get into the meat and potatoes of it, I want to look at the stuff I've been pondering this, this week. There's been a, a bunch of stuff, and I've heard a lot of feedback from you that this is interesting, you know, because certain thoughts you can't do a sermon on, but man, it's a sure bite-sized truth that makes us ponder and think. And that's, that's what I want to evoke. I want us to think wider and deeper than just going with the flow. And some of these uh, pictures have caused me to do that, and I love it. I can't get enough of them. So first one is, to love a person is to see all of their magic and to remind them of it when they have forgotten. I thought that was really cool. This means we need to be aware of where people are at when they're in a spin cycle of darkness. Remind them of their goodness. Remind them of their value, of who they are. Uh, sometimes that's all that's needed for some folks. So I thought it was really good. The, this is neat. The meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. I thought that sounded very much like agape. Others-centered love. I thought that's pretty cool. Because honestly, what is your gift? It's the life of Christ. is a gift to us. We live the life of Christ. If you Go down deep. You can, you can make that say what you want, but I, I want to go deep dive to our true identity, our spiritual identity. The next one, from Eckhart Tolle. If uncertainty is unacceptable to you, it turns into fear. If it is perfectly acceptable, it turns into increased aliveness, alertness, and creativity. Huh. I like this because... Um, a phrase that's been going around, I forget who, who said it. If somebody knows online, let me know. Uh, the sin of certainty. <laughs> the idea of being certain about everything. And that has caused people to, first of all, not grow in their faith because you think you've arrived. But to have a sense of teachability and uncertainty as maybe there's a deeper, wider explanation for the truths we already have learned, but it's not complete. So that's why I really, really like that to get us thinking. This next one is tied to it. You must always be willing to truly consider evidence that contradicts your beliefs and admit the possibility that you may be wrong. <gasps> oh my. Intelligence isn't knowing everything. It's the ability to challenge everything you know. This is not taught in church. <laughs> Typically in church, it's what you're told. There you go. Believe it. Don't question it, just that's it. Uh, definitely not here at Hope Fellowship, we know that. <laughs> um, but here, to be able to have an opinion shared your way, and this happened to me about 10 years, 10 or 11 years ago. Um, a person sat with me and we talked about a certain topic and they asked me what I thought. I told them, I said, well, would you read this book? And I said, sure, not gonna change my mind. So I read part of the book, I said, it's all wrong. Uh, gave it back, and never saw that person again. Well, many years later, I'm thinking, oh, man, where's that book? What was it called? I, I actually agree with this person now. 
what happened? We change, we grow, we keep adding. And when you allow evidence that may contradict some of your beliefs, long-held beliefs, you might be surprised at how wide and deep and high and low the love of God will go. It's bigger than we ever dreamed. And it reaches deeper. Oh, Peter N. says the sin of certainty. Thank you. Yep. Yep, very good. Yeah, a couple of people said that. Excellent. Yeah. I love this too. This is, if you are having a rough day, this one's great. You may think that you are completely insignificant in this world, but someone drinks coffee from a favorite cup you gave them. Someone heard a song on the radio that reminded them of you. Someone read a book that you recommended and plunged headfirst into it. Someone smiled after a hard day's work because they remembered the joke that you told them today. (laughs) I like that one. Someone loves themselves a little bit more because you gave them a compliment. Never think that you have no influence whatsoever. Your trace, which you leave behind with every good deed, cannot be erased. And this speaks to the light of the love of Christ in us. When you think that, oh, you know, I'm... uh, I'm not doing anything. Um, so-and-so seems to have such a perfect life. Listen, whoever you think has a perfect life and seems to be grasping truth really well, blah, 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 don't kid yourself. They also are going through struggles. All of us are. If we were to have a huddle in small groups right now, we would likely hear, oh, I didn't see that coming. Or you go, dang, I wish we didn't do this. <laughs> Which I know half of you would do that. But the point is, there's more going on in our lives. And if you feel that moment, or if you're watching online, and you sense, I feel very alone, um, you may be objectively alone in a room, but subjectively, that's just your feeling. You are still one with Christ. You're one with each other, and we're connected. So don't forget, you are actually giving away light and love every day. I love this, and I think we have one or two more. We need to dispel the myth that empathy is walking in someone else's shoes. Rather than walking in your shoes, I need to learn how to listen to the story you tell about what it's like to be in your shoes and believe you even when it doesn't match my experience. That's kind of deep. This is, we've not talked about this, but it deals with being present and being loving hearing people's stories, not trying to explain it away, not trying to correct someone else's beliefs of what they're going through, listening. You can't do that for everybody, but you will find times, if, you're, if your antenna's up, there'll be times when you need to stop and listen. And uh, be careful with your expectations of others. Not everybody is ready to hear your story either. So you'll know when the right connection time comes to be able to share your story. I think it's the last one. The vast majority of people walking away from Christianity in America are not rejecting the person and work of Jesus. They're rejecting faulty biblical interpretations that lead to bigotry, oppression, and marginalization. This rejection isn't unchristian. It's Christ-like. I know too many people that are finished with church, done with church, churchianity, the system of religion that controls and, and tells you how to behave, how to be a good Christian and all that stuff. I'm still unlearning that. Uh, who was it? I think it was Gandhi who said, it's, I'm, Jesus is good, but his followers that I have a problem with. <laughs> Something like that. Because people don't look like Jesus. 
when they're behaving in such confrontational ways, especially when you start arguing about theology and doctrine. I think it's oh, two more. <laughs> See, it's been a busy week <laughs> in my mind. To repent is not to look downwards at my own shortcomings, but upwards at God's love. It's not to look backwards with self-reproach, but forward with trustfulness. It's to see not what I have failed to be, but what by the grace of Christ I might yet become. This is a great attitude changer in your mind. I love that one. Lastly, love keeps no records, asks no questions. Love just loves. And this is my hope for Hope Fellowship. That we become a church that the bottom line is love. Become loving people. We have not arrived. We have much to learn. And so when it comes to certain topics, does it look like the love of God? If it doesn't, then we need to keep working through that topic. If it doesn't look like Jesus, then it isn't. If it doesn't look like God is love, then it's not truly God. It's a system of religion and likely an incomplete and faulty understanding. So this to me is a beautiful picture because, <laughs> yeah, anyway, let that soak in. Henry Nouwen, the most important choice. If I die with much anger and bitterness, I will leave my family and friends behind in confusion, guilt, shame, or weakness. When I felt my death approaching, I suddenly realized how much I could influence the hearts of those whom I would leave behind. If I could truly say that I was grateful for what, I've, what, I, had, for what I had lived, eager to forgive and be forgiven, full of hope that those who loved me would continue their lives of joy and peace, and confident that Jesus who calls me would guide all who somehow belong to in my life, if I could do that, I would in the hour of my death, reveal more true spiritual freedom than I have been able to reveal during all the years of my life. I realize on, my very deep, uh, I realize on a very deep level that dying is the most important act of living. It involves a choice to bind others with guilt or to set them free with gratitude. <laughs> life is short. No one gets out alive. Earth suit speaking, of course. <laughs> anyway, I thought that was a pretty powerful one. Let's get into this. This is, this is going to be good. Oh, oops. All right. So the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about thinking patterns. We had some negative ones. We had, I'll show you the list. I won't get, read it through because I don't have time. Um, but today, I want to continue what I couldn't finish last week. And so we're, we're talking about the six hindrances of thinking. Now let's look at three key things that help us live and think in a healthier way. Uh, the first ones would be, oops, forget that. Uh, the first one is diligently guard your thoughts. This is a big one because we, to grasp this is far more important than we realize. Don't gloss it over and go, yeah, yeah, I've heard that verse. Yeah, 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 I know that verse. Stop and read it slower. There's something here for all of us to read. And I'm going to read this from Romans 12, from First Nations, and I think the mirror. I forget which one. But let's, I like this subtitle, Becoming a True Human Being. This is what I ended with last week. So then, my sacred family members, because Creator has shown us such mercy and kindness, 
I now call on you to offer your whole beings, heart and mind and strength to the great spirit as a living sacrifice. Do this in a sacred and spiritual manner that will make his heart glad. Do not permit the ways of this world to mold and shape you. Instead, let creator change you from the inside out. In the way a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, he will do this by giving you a new way of thinking, seeing, and walking. This is critical. Who's the source of this? God. God does it. You can't put it on a to-do list. Well, here's my to-do list for this week. (laughs) You're not that good at this. Usually we just react to what comes our way. But this is beautiful. And this idea of the ways of this world... Listen, most of the world system is selfish. It's ego-driven. It's self-centered. Everything that's Jesus is other-centered. That's a really easy way to tell the difference. And so there are philosophies and thinking patterns and um, ways to get through in our culture, in workplaces, in life, that do not look like Jesus at all. And my hope is to keep pointing us to Jesus. That's it. That is your model. That's who your model is. Then you will know for sure what the great spirit wants for you. Things that are good, that make the heart glad, that help you to walk the path of becoming a mature and true human being. We forget our humanity. We're human. We're also spirit. We're one with Jesus. So there's a humanity that we can't forget. Um, I think uh, there's a story in the news. I usually don't talk about politics, but uh, this one's safe enough, I hope. And if it isn't, too bad. (laughs) Our uh, wonderful prime minister was in England and uh, was caught on video singing. Bohemian Rhapsody. And the news feeds went nuts. And he was criticized over and over and over again. And I thought to myself... This is not about me liking him or not, because that's a different topic. But I saw a person having a good time. I saw a human engaging in music, having fun. And we're not allowed to do that. I think we need more of that. There's a humanity that's really important. And if we lock in and compartmentalize what humanity should look like, in our behaviors, if uh, things are, like having, especially having fun, I know in church, right? Like seriously. (laughs) We need to smile more, laugh more, celebrate more. Instead of being all serious. It's kind of funny, if you watch people walk into church, you know, their faces suddenly change when they walk in the door. But I've I've watched people come in. It's like a, a, a sudden change when they see somebody, but they look pretty unhappy coming up to the door. It's very, very funny to watch. Um, but that's, all, that's human, but it's just really a funny observation. <laughs> I'll leave that alone. All right. You can choose what you think or dwell on. I'm not saying you choose what pops into your head. We don't choose what comes into our mind, but it's about what we do with those thoughts that come into our minds. This is where the idea of taking every thought captive is so, so important. Sometimes we allow, um, uh, let me just, uh, the idea of movies, let's say, because I love movies. But there's some movies that, like, oh my goodness, I can't watch this. 
It's like, I can't handle horror movies. I hate them. I, I hate the darkness that I feel from them. I love comedies. I love thrillers that are mystery thrillers, all that stuff. But some have a darkness that I just sense. Ah, I just, no. You feel yucky afterwards. Music. Some music just makes you feel yuck. Other music tends to make you free and relaxed. I don't know. Like, each person has their own. I can't judge everybody else's taste in movies or, or, or things like that. But this is about what you let in. There are people in our lives that you sometimes have to block. I think uh, on Facebook, there's, there's a spiritual gift of blocking because certain people are toxic. <laughs> it's like, bye. I, don't, I just don't want to hear it. you know. And I've learned to do that. It's been really good. My feet is getting clearer and clearer. <laughs> you know, We don't have to hear all the negativity. We don't have to engage in all the negative conversations. We can choose to engage in more hope-filled conversations. I, I love that. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Every lofty idea and argument positioned against the knowledge of God is cast down and exposed to a mere invention of our own imagination. We arrest every thought that could possibly trigger an opposing threat to our redeemed identity and innocence at Spear Point. That's pretty wordy. But think of this. This is about arresting. When somebody were to come and attack your child, you see kids fight in the playground, and teachers do this a lot. They arrest a lot of kids. It's called stopping them, grabbing them. <laughs> um, what you're doing is you're stopping a hurt that shouldn't be happening. And in our minds, we need to arrest those thoughts that come and, and cause us to believe lies about who we are. I'm no good. I'm rotten. Going to the garden to eat worms. Um, if you ever have uh, issues of um, self-esteem, guilt, shame, I know my whole background has been filled with that. I still have trouble with that today of not feeling worthy or liked or whatever. And I can get into small spin cycles. I don't stay there long, but man, it still comes. And I, got, I have to learn to do this better, arresting those thoughts. Wait, that is not who I am. I am the light of Christ. I am in the love of God. I am redeemed. And we'll make a, I have a small list I want to go over shortly. But this is the idea of taking every thought captive. This is a different translation of the same verse. This is from, from the Message Bible. We use our powerful God tools, <laughs> I love that, for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life, of life shaped by Christ. Jesus is the one who will remind us if this is of him or not. Of thoughts, of emotions, of life messages that have been given to us. We have people in our lives that we hear a certain person's name and we go, Ugh, just don't want nothing to do with them. Or there's a negativity. I, I have people from way back in my life who've spoken such negative thoughts into me, like verbally, loudly, you name it. I haven't got time for the stories. But when I think of their name and who they are, all I remember is dark and pain. And the negativity I believed because of the repetition of wrong messaging given to me. I bumped into a few of those people. Guess what happens? 
we all change. One or two of those people are not like that at all. They've actually matured. And they're very good people. It's like, oh, oh wait, so have I. I've also changed. <laughs> so there's grace that we need to give. And we got to take these thoughts captive. Pa- Passion Translation says it really well. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. I like that. Our thought life is not to be a flood of thoughts uncontrolled, but rather a stream flowing with controlled banks, flowing from the life of Christ in us. If you focus your attention, you may easily see the difference and participate with the source in you, source being Jesus. Yes, it's work. Yes, it's something we actually do. Yeah, but I'm under grace. I don't got to do nothing because it's all by grace. Uh, that's so, I'd say, um, child level, pablum, in fact, in diapers still. And that's okay. But we have grown more. We can see and understand the meaning of this more and more. We do have to intentionally take steps. Sometimes, uh, if you've ever been to therapy or counseling, they sometimes make you repeat things. Say this thing, and it's like, I don't want to do this. It sounds so dumb. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, it sounds so elementary, sounds so childish. And yet, what they're trying to do is create a pattern that's really important that we have not practiced in repeating truths that our mind needs to hear. Our words coming out of our mouth needs to be heard in our ears so that our mind can receive it, and then it can be believed. But there's steps that have to happen. So try not to reject that too much. It's okay to have certain Bible verses and phrases on your mirror to remind you of certain things. I used to think, oh, that's so legalistic. It's not. Sometimes we need those triggers. We need that help. We need that assistance. Sometimes we need each other to remind us which means we need our community. Here's how David did it. I love this. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. It's a prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. I love this text. I have prayed this so many times, especially when negative voices scream into my ear from people I have respected, and my motives are challenged, and I don't know what to believe. Maybe I'm not a great person. Maybe I am this and that, whatever they're telling me. And then I I say, God, you know me. You know my heart and my intent. Please show me. You're big enough to get my attention. (laughs) And God does. We need this reminder. What do we do when difficult thoughts flood our mind? We begin with a full awareness of Christ in us. This is the first thing. Aware that you are one with Christ and Christ lives in you. This is the beginning. Now what? 
take it captive. Take those messages that have come to you and put them into interrogation room. Is this true? Really? Prove it. What else is true? Well, it's the comparison that happens. Oops. If it is not true, kick it out and renounce the lie. Quit playing with those thoughts. Quit letting them keep circulating and pondering these wrong thoughts that you should not waste time on. Why is it doing that? Replace the lie with truth. Counter with what you know is true. So if something is, I'm no good, well, I'm going to throw that out because Christ says I am good. I've been made good. Be good. Be who I am. I think I had a oops problem with the setup. Affirm the truth verbally out loud. This can be weird. But no one's around. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking to yourself can help because you're hearing the words coming out of your mouth. It's affirming into your mind. And it helps push away those negative thoughts by verbally affirming what is true. Here we go. If you are still having trouble, be still and allow the spirit of wisdom in you to guide you. This is important. It means taking time. Yes, it takes effort while you rest in Christ. We do this work from a place of rest. Really important to remember that. Psalm 46, New Living Translation says, Be still. Be still. That part, yeah, right. And know that I am God and not you. <laughs> or let go, relax, cease striving and know that I am God. The New American Standard Bible. Message translation says, step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God. I love that. Passion Translation, surrender your anxiety, be silent, and stop your striving, and you will see that I am God. See, we can easily switch to striving to try to become a better person, try to become uh, more accepted to those around us, so there's the self-effort, which is, there's value to it, but when you're dealing with your identity, it's about, hang on, know who you are first. We live from the life of Christ in us. If you're trying to get um, um, acknowledgement from others, which I'm a, I have people-pleasing flesh. That's, that's me, and a lot of us do. You tend to want to please others for acceptance and have that affirmed. And I love doing stuff for folks, but I sometimes have to realize, why am I doing it? And if it's because the love of Christ in me, compelling me, great, keep up. But if I'm doing it in order for some ulterior motive to be liked, then, hmm, I need to work on that. I need to let the Holy Spirit change that. And I love it. This is a wonderful prayer. Abba, Father, thank you for giving us your Son and sending us your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, thank you for showing us Lord Jesus for taking what is his and revealing it to us. Lord Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, in whom all the fullness of divinity dwells in bodily form, and in whom we are made complete and become partakers of the divine nature, thank you for showing us Abba, Father. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
lead us all into the eternal bliss of your divine fellowship. I love that. Next week, finally, this, I said there was three, now we're getting to number two. <laughs> Took a long time to get there, but next week we're going to talk about meditating on the grace of God and his excessive goodness towards you, and that one's going to be fun. That one I'm really excited about, and I'm going to do my best to wrap up next week because it's, it, Thanksgiving will follow that. So uh, if you could fast forward me to the uh, slide of the picture, the last picture before I do the final announcements, that'd be great. Um, and let's, let's, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, just like we just prayed that prayer, or at least read it, will you reach into us and agitate your life in us so that we're aware of your presence in us because it's easy to forget sometimes. Calm us down. May we be more loving in our personal relationships at home and with those we work. May we be more kind to our family members and to our community. And may your love reveal itself in us without us having to try in self-effort to make it happen. Teach us how to live from our new nature. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.